Good afternoon. I hope you're enjoying your lunch as we have a, a noon devotional thought. Today I'd like to talk to you about the voice of conscience. The voice of conscience. And I'd like to begin by turning to the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bible and you're able to turn there, let's turn to John the 10th chapter. And we're going to underscore verses 27 and 28. John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. Again, we're going to be looking at the subject, the voice of conscience. John chapter 10, starting there in verse 27. The Bible says, and these are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, my sheep hear what? My voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now here Jesus basically articulates, as we've just read, that, that his sheep, his followers, hear his voice. And they follow and obey him. And as a result of hearing the voice of the shepherd in obedience, Jesus gives to them the gift of eternal life, and no one will be able to pluck them out of the hand of God. That is a tremendous, tremendous promise. Now, as we contemplate this text, we hear Jesus and read Jesus saying there that his sheep hear his voice. And this begs a question that we can glean from this text. Have you ever heard the voice of God? You know, I've talked to a lot of people in my Christian travels, in my preaching travels, and most people that I talk to say that they've never heard God's voice audibly. But as I do travel around, I do talk with people that have in fact sensed God speaking to the mind through their thoughts. And I myself have experienced that also. So in that manner of speaking, have you ever discerned God speaking to you through the thoughts in your mind? I want to illustrate this point. One time I was in a Christian bookstore. And I found myself browsing around this CD rack. And there was a particular CD on this rack that had JPEG images on it. And at that particular juncture in my ministry, I was in the process of developing PowerPoint sermons for my evangelistic meetings. And, and this particular CD had great images on it that I could use to develop PowerPoint presentations. And I looked at this CD and it was about $70. And it had hundreds of images on it. And I knew the balance in my checkbook. You see, at the time, I was making about $8,000 a year. Don't you want to be a pastor? <laughs> but nevertheless, I knew the balance in my checkbook. And I thought, you know what? I can afford this. This will benefit my ministry. But you know what? This thought came into my mind. And I found out after it was God speaking to my mind through my thoughts there was this thought, don't buy the CD. And you know, I step back and the self-justification phase sets in. 
Well, wait a minute, I can afford this. I need this. And so I went ahead and bought the CD. And as I took the CD home, it was still wrapped in the plastic, you know, the cellophane. And the thought came in, don't take it out. You can always return it. But no, 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 I was in charge and I broke it open, checked out the CD, loaded it onto the computer and everything was hunky-dory, so I thought. Well, you know, a few weeks later, I was eating lunch after church with a church member. And after lunch, this church member said, you know what, I want to take you back into my office. I want to show you what I do for a living. And I want to show you some things that I've been doing in ministry. And he took me back into his office after lunch. And he says, you know what, Pastor Mark? He said, I've been manufacturing these CDs as an outreach. And I feel impressed by God to donate a CD to help your ministry out. Go ahead and look and see what I have. And guess what CD was in that bunch? Are you with me? That's right. You see, and this is so serious, brothers and sisters, but God wants to be that intimate with us. He wants to speak to us through our minds and guide us every step of the way. And there are times, and this is going to sound absolutely crazy to some maybe, but there are times when God will actually speak to us what will happen. The Bible says that the voice of the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. One day I was at home, I, at this particular time in my life I was living at home because I, was, I had went through some, some trials and struggles and as I came back to the Lord and started entering into ministry, I was living at home with my parents in Lake City, Florida. And my younger sister was living at home with us and my mom and sister had purchased an African pygmy hedgehog. It's like a little porcupine. And, and, and I'm in my room, which was adjacent to the living room, and I'm on my computer working on evangelistic sermons. And I hear my mom and sister come into the living room, and they, and they said uh, to each other, hey, let's take the hedgehog out, and let's let it get some exercise. And you know, this thought came into my mind, they're going to let it outside, it's going to get loose, it's going to crawl under the neighbor's house and they're going to come in and get me and want me to chase the thing down. Now, now, I'm dead serious. This thought came into my mind. But you know, a lot of times in two or three or four seconds, these thoughts come in and we just dismiss them. And so I'm typing. I hear the door open. I hear this, oh no, oh no, catch him, catch him. And then I hear my sister race up the stairs and bang on my door frantically. Mark! And, and I'm thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. I just thought that. And of course, the hedgehog, and you know, down in Florida at that time, these, a lot of the houses are up on blocks. They don't have foundations. And so you, you can actually crawl under these houses. And, and this hedgehog had crawled under this house. And I crawled through the cobwebs and all the debris that was under the house. And I finally caught the hedgehog and brought it back. But friends, these are illustrations as to how God wants to speak to us through the thoughts in our mind. The voice of conscience. Some people have told me that God never speaks to them. That they never hear God's voice. But we must realize that God's voice is actually the voice of conscience in the mind. God's Holy Spirit has the function of speaking through the thoughts. And this is not necessarily an audible voice. But again, it might just come in a moment. It might just be a whisper. But that's how God wants to speak to us. I have a friend who was 
driving down a mountain. He was in the passenger seat of a Ford Explorer, and he was telling me this story. He was driving down this mountain, and it was a very steep mountain. And, and they were going through an air, area of this mountain where there were signs that said danger, rocks could fall. And as he's going through this turn at a particular point in this journey, this thought came into his mind, close your eyes, right? And he dismissed the thought, and then it came to him again, close your eyes. And so he thought to himself, well, that's kind of weird how that thought came in the second time. So right then he closed his eyes, and guess what happened? A rock hit the windshield right in front of him and blew glass all over his face. Cut him up. And you know, if he did not obey, he might have been blinded. You see, and that's how serious this is, friends. And so I ask you this morning, as you consider this devotional thought, are you sensitive to the voice of conscience? The Bible is full of examples of God speaking to His people. In 1 Samuel 3.10, we're told that Samuel heard the voice of God and said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. In Joshua chapter 5, I believe it's verse 13, Joshua heard the voice of God and said, Lord, what saith my Lord unto his servant? In Isaiah 30.21, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. And you see the voice of God guiding the mind of the believer in Jesus. And in fact, the Bible even says that God will save those who obey the voice of conscience, even though they might not necessarily understand Jesus as you and I might understand Him. That's in Romans 2, 14 and 15. But because they have lived by God guiding their conscience, even though they might not necessarily un understand God like we do, they are still living in harmony with the principles of God because they are guided by their conscience. Very interesting point. Now, here's a question that we need to ask when it comes to the voice of conscience. Can we trust every thought or impression that comes into our minds? What do you think? Can we trust every thought or impression? No, no we cannot. Because there are many different sources of thoughts and impressions. Of course, God is one source. The devil and evil angels can even impress our thoughts at times. And even our own flesh, our own thoughts, our own feelings, our own emotions at times can influence the way we think. And so we have to have some way to decipher and sift through all the voices and thoughts that come into our minds so that we can learn to understand and discern the voice of God. Now here are some suggestions as to how we can distinguish. Ultimately, we must be students of God's Word because the Bible is really the ultimate standard by which we are to test everything. Right? Isn't that right? To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to the word, there is no light in them. The Bible must be the ultimate standard by which we test impressions and thoughts in the mind. Now, what about if we're in a situation where we don't have time to test a thought or impression against the Word of God. How do we distinguish? Well, here are a few suggestions for you. First of all, if you're in the moment, if you're going through your moments in life and you have a thought or impression and you're wondering 
if God is the author of that, and you don't have time to take out a Bible and time to sift through and think through and compare and test, a good rule of thumb in the moment is to decipher whether or not that thought or impression will lead you to violate God's law, the Ten Commandments. Because ultimately, if something is a moral issue and a thought or impression comes into your mind that will lead you to violate God's, God's great standard of morality, then you must reject that impression as not of God. You with me? That makes sense? All right. Now, here's another thought, though. What if something is a non-moral issue? What if, nothing, what if the thought isn't inherently right or wrong, necessarily? It's kind of in a gray area but you're unsure as to what voice or what impression as far as the origin is, you know, what source is impressing you. Well, here are some more thoughts on this. I believe that these are situations that we have to learn by experience. We have to learn as we grow to understand God's voice. All right? We have to learn and understand through experience. And if the thought or impression moves us to practice self-denial or put the thoughts and feelings of someone else before our own, there's a good chance that that impression is of God if it calls us to practice self-denial. And here's an illustration. I hate, and, I, and it's on the tape, it's on the recording, it'll be on the website, the word hate. I hate to do the dishes. I mean, I just loathe it. In fact, my wife told me recently, I'm going to start buying paper plates, man, because... You just don't like doing the dishes. Well, one morning years ago when I was living at home, still with my family before I got married, I walked into the kitchen one morning and the kitchen was, the, the sink was full of dirty dishes. And I'm not talking about five or ten, I'm talking about a big pile like this. And this impression came into my mind, your mother's working two jobs to try to pay off some debts. She can't handle all the housework herself. Contribute by doing the dishes for her this morning. That's, I mean, and I'm talking about three seconds, a thought like this comes into your mind. And I thought, okay, I loathe doing dishes. And so I wiped off the counter, took the trash out, straightened up the cabinet, swept the floor, fed the dogs, and did everything but do the dishes. And you know what? I had no peace. And so the impression came back, you know, you really should do those for your mom. But I didn't want to because it crossed my will. Right? But again, it was asking me to put the thoughts and feelings and needs of others before myself. So I did the dishes, begrudgingly. The next morning I get up, walk into the kitchen. Guess what I found? A sink full of dishes again. And I'm, I was, to this day, I'm wondering how a family of three or four could dirty so many dishes in a 24-hour period. But I had this big, huge pile of dishes again. And again, the impression came, do the dishes for your mom. But Lord, I don't like to. But again, it was calling for self-denial. And so I went ahead and did the dishes. And then the third morning, this is amazing, the third morning in a row, the same thing happened. Dishes again, and God called me to self-denial. And so I did the dishes. And in, and in fact, on that third morning, my mother came out. She had, you know, got in late because she'd been working two jobs, and she came out, and she was a little tired, you know. And she said, you know, son, I've noticed that you, uh, you've been doing the dishes for me the last few days. I really appreciate that. Let me help you dry them. And so we had a wonderful conversation on that third day. And, and see, my mother and I, if you know something about our history... 
My mother and I were very close growing up, and when I went off to college and did my own thing, we kind of separated and never kept very close after that point. And, and then God supernaturally, through a series of events, brought us back together as a family, and we were reacquainting our relationship. And, and uh, God used that third morning for us to really have a wonderful discussion to get back to where our relationship used to be. So God was able to use that. But see, that is an example of how God's voice might not be inherently right or wrong. I mean, it's not a moral issue for me not to do the dishes, is it? I mean, there's no commandment that says thou shalt do the dishes, right? But yet, in that situation, it was calling for self-denial. And that's one way to understand whether or not an impression might be from God. Now, another question that's come up about considering God's voice. Are there hindrances to hearing God's voice? Are there possible voice blockers out there that would kind of uh, interfere with our ability to hear the voice of God? Well, yes, there are. And I'm going to mention to you about four of those. Number one is a fast-paced lifestyle. Being too busy and overstressed in your commitments as far as your time. I think every one of us understands what it means to be so busy that we do not take time for God and do not have time to reflect and spend a quiet moment with God to understand and learn to hear His voice. I'd be willing to, to bet that a majority of the people in this room, including the speaker, have serious commitments on time and it's hard at times to be able to come back and rest a while and learn to connect with God. So the busyness of life is one thing that can prohibit us from hearing God's voice. The second thing is little, little or no quiet devotional time with God. Here's a question to consider this morning or this afternoon. Are you spending time with God every morning or as your schedule will allow? I mean, friends, listen, we need that time with God. We will not understand the Bible and we will not understand to learn how to, to discern God's voice if we are not spending time with God. We need that quiet time with God. Our entire spiritual experience is predicated upon our connection with God in the devotional closet, so to speak. And yet, how many of us really spend the time necessary to, to understand spiritual things like we should. I would encourage you today to really get back to that devotional time because that will help you not just to be a, a more spiritual person, but it will also help you to understand the voice of conscience. Another voice blocker could be a refusal to surrender to God in certain areas of your life. Cherish sin is a voice blocker. If God is calling for surrender in a certain area and we are resisting Him and we are trying to put Him off, that can also prohibit our ability to discern God speaking to the mind. And we must come to the point where we yield and relinquish that to God to clear the King's highway, so to speak. That's a very important principle to understand. Now finally, repeated violations of conscience can also be a voice blocker. In other words, we, we know the duty that God is calling us to, but we, we resist it over a period of time to the point where we harden our conscience. 
It's not tender like it should be because we've seared it with a hot iron, as the Bible says. Some of you may even understand and play the guitar. Remember when you first picked up that guitar, your fingertips were tender, but after a while they got callous because you got used to holding down the strings? Well, it's the same thing in the mind. We have to keep our, our conscience tender, brothers and sisters, if we're going to discern God's voice. But if we violate our conscience with impunity over time, we're going to callous ourselves. And we're going we're gonna to basically dull our, our spiritual radar. And so we've got uh, to learn to, to, to yield and to live in harmony with our conscience as God leads it. And ultimately our conscience, as Martin Luther said, is captive to the word of God. But we've got to be more sensitive to God's voice. There was a time when I was house-sitting for some friends in Live Oak, Florida. They left for a particular weekend and I was house sitting for them and at the time I was single and they told me look you have free reign of the refrigerator you can do your laundry you can bring your computer and work on your ministry and the whole nine yards but and we'll be back on this night probably in the evening and you know that morning I got up and I was running around the house in my pajamas doing some laundry it was real early and and you know this thought came into my mind get dressed and I, you know, I, I couldn't figure it out. Well, you know what? It's in the morning and uh, they're not due back this e- until this evening. What's, what's the big deal? And the thought came back, get dressed. And so I got dressed. And the people pulled up. Within 30 minutes, they were home. And you see, at the time, I, as, as a minister and as a pastor, as an evangelist, I wanted, you know, they had small children and I wanted, I was, I was trying to develop uh, a situation where I practiced Christian modesty so that people would respect my position as a pastor. And it would have been a very embarrassing situation had they come home with their small children and seen, quote-unquote, the pastor in his pajamas. Even though there was nothing immodest about it, the point is, is that I believe that we as pastors need to, to uh, foster an environment where people respect us. Of course, a lot of times ministers don't stand for anything and, and people don't respect those types of pastors, but... But at least ministers that they respect, I think we should do what we can to garner respect. And in that situation, I wanted to do that. But God impressed me to get dressed. And you see, that is how intimate God wants to be with us, friends. He wants us to be so sensitive to holy influences that the lightest whisper of Jesus will move our souls. And we must remember that the brain nerves in the mind, I believe, are heaven's way of communicating with us and affecting our inmost life. Now you may not even believe in God. You may be just considering Christianity. But what you need to understand is is that God will even speak to you through your mind. We serve a personal and intimate God who desires to be so in touch with us that He will speak His mysteries to us personally. But the problem is, is we've got to slow down and be still and know That God is God. You know, I'm here to tell you, friends, that there have been times when I have not listened to God's voice as I should have, and I've I've had bitter experiences as a result of it. About three months before my son was born, I was driving out one day to run some errands. And... I had to make a phone call to a friend of mine whose name was Jason. And in my phone Rolodex, I had like three or four Jasons, one of which was my younger brother, Jason. 
And I accidentally called my brother Jason instead of one of my other friends, Jason, and I got my brother on the phone, and, and he actually answered his phone, and he was a tough guy to get a hold of. But I got him on the phone, and, and he said, hello, and I said, hey, this is Mark. And I said, oh, Jason, I'm sorry, I called the wrong Jason. He's like, well, that's okay. He said, how you doing? I said, well, I'm good. And, and this thought came into my mind, you know what, talk to him. You hadn't talked to him in a while, talk to him. See how he's doing. You got a little bit of a drive ahead of you, you got time, talk to him. But you see, I felt so rushed at, at my checklist that I had to get done and my errands that I had to get done. I said, you know what, Jason, I've got to make another call. Can I call you some other time and we'll talk? He's like, yeah, sure. And I hung up the phone. Five days after my son was born, my wife and I came home from the hospital because my son had to stay in the hospital for four or five days. He got jaundice and some other things. And, and so we drove home. Got home about 6 o'clock in the evening, and about 9 o'clock that night, my younger sister called me and told me that my brother had committed suicide. And you know what? I hadn't talked to him except in that last phone call I just told you about. Now, could I have prevented what had happened? I don't know. And I'll tell you right now, that was a bitter pill, and I wrestled with God over that one. Because my mother had called me months before and said that my brother... And, and by the way, my brother was involved in the occult and he was in alcohol and, and, and into drugs and he had lost his job and, and he'd gotten an early retirement after he lost his job and blew several thousand dollars and just really had a tough time in life. And he was just really struggling. And my mom told me that he had called her and said, you know what, I, I'm just really sick and tired of being in charge of my life. If, if I called Mark, would he talk to me about Christianity? And my mom told me that, and I said, yeah, just have him call me. And, but we never got a chance to have that conversation. And I'll tell you what, that was a bitter pill, friends. And I wrestled with God. And, and the thing that came to my mind after I wrestled with God over that one was, is that, look, I have to learn to listen to the voice of God. And at the same time, you know, I've just got to trust my brother's case with, with a loving God. I'm not saying that my brother will be in heaven necessarily, but I'm not going to be so quick to put him in hell either, because I know that God knows the heart. And God alone is sufficient to judge every case. And so I'm going to leave him in the hands of a loving creator. I hope to see him one day by the grace of God. And for those of you who have my book on Daniel 11, you'll see the dedication of that book is to my brother, whom I hope to see when Jesus comes again by the grace of God. But again, God will judge him. But the point is, is that God spoke to my mind. And you see, every time God speaks to our mind, we have an opportunity, brothers and sisters. Because the more we yield to God's voice and the more we learn to discern God's voice, the easier it becomes to obey because then we're creating a habit. But if we uh, disregard that voice and resist that voice and, and, and just rebut that voice when it comes in, we create a habit in the opposite direction of resistance. And the Bible calls resisting the voice of God a form of witchcraft. 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23, Samuel rebu rebukes King Saul. Talks about how he disregarded the voice of the Lord. And his stubbornness was as witchcraft and idolatry. So friends, I'm here to encourage you today. Please learn to understand God's voice because he will talk to you personally. Not necessarily audibly, but again, through your thoughts. Close with one final illustration. I was at Clearwater doing an evangelistic series years ago, and uh, 
I came early to the evangelistic meeting one night to just get my thoughts together and make sure that all the things were in order. And what was interesting is this church member came up to me and he said, Pastor Mark, God woke me up at 3 a.m. and told me to give you this. And he handed me some money. And I looked at this bill, and I can't remember if it was a $50 bill, a $20, I don't know, don't quote me on the amount, but all I thought was, is mercy, this thing is hot off the press. I mean, it was crisp. And you see, I had just purchased a truck, so I'm thinking truck payment, taken care of, thank you very much. But this thought came into my mind, I'm going to test you with that. And I was like, well, we'll see. But you know, Soon thereafter, a young couple walks in, and they're homeless. And they explained their story to me just briefly, and and they were asking for help. And God was saying to me, that money that I impressed that man to give to you, now I'm impressing you to give it to them. Well, well, Lord, wait a minute. I mean, I got a truck payment due. You know, are you with me? You know, you have those, you have those wrestlings in your mind, you know, with God sometimes. And, and, and God wants you to surrender yourself and you're in charge, right? Lord, you know, it's almost that time, you know, when my truck payment's due. Come on. And then I said, okay, Lord, if they sit through the meeting tonight, I will give them that money when the meeting's over. And I, and I looked at them and I said, would you please stay tonight? And they said, sure, we'll sit through the meeting. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm preaching. And you know what? What's interesting is God speaks to you. I mean, if you've ever stood up to speak, you will understand that even God speaks to your mind while you're talking to other people. And the whole message I was preaching, I could see them in the audience and in the back of my mind. You got to surrender that money. All right. And then after the meeting was over, I went down and I said, okay, Lord. And I tested the Lord again. I said, Lord, if you want me to give them this money, um, I, want, I want them to come after me. I mean, you got you to put them right in my bubble. All right. I need a sign, all right? And of course, I did everything I could to avoid them. I went out around and shaking people's hands, and I'd see them coming up, I'd turn my back, you know? And, and then I turned around, and they're like, right here, you know? And I said, okay, here's the wallet. And I gave them the money, and, and you know, they looked at me, and they said, you know, we really appreciate that. We just found out that, and I think they were married, just found out my wife was, was pregnant with twins, and we really needed this because we have to get, because I was in Clearwater, which is in western central Florida, near Tampa, and they had to get over to the east coast in Orlando, which is basically, a, if you know Florida, I-4, the I-4 corridor goes from Tampa all the way over to Orlando, and they had to get from there to Orlando to get back to where they needed to be, and that money was going to help them get there. And they just said, really, we really appreciate it. Thank you for the help. That's, that's just what we needed. And I, and I thought, my, and, I, and I had peace in my soul. And you know what God did at the end of that meeting? When that evangelistic meeting was over, I sold more, and, back, and that was back in the day when there were audio tapes. I mean, that's how, that's how long ago this crusade was. And, uh, but I sold more sets of audio tapes in that meeting than I had sold in a long time. And God was just giving me confirmation, look, I will bless you. I've got your back. You just obey my voice. As you think about this subject this morning, I hope and pray that you will learn to understand God speaking to you personally. As the scripture said in the scripture reading today, if you will hear his voice as the Holy Ghost saith, harden not your hearts.
Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and I will sup with him and he with me. By the grace of God, friends, let's all learn to listen and discern and obey the voice of God, the voice of conscience. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed this afternoon. Father in heaven, today we thank you so much for being such a personal and intimate God. We thank you for wanting to be so intimate with us that you want to speak to our minds directly. And of course, we understand that you ultimately speak through us through your word. And so help us to be students of your word so that we will discern your your voice more readily. Help us to take time apart to, to spend time with you so that We are not not so caught up on the treadmill of life that we are going so fast that we cannot hear you speak to us. Help us to slow down and learn to understand how you speak to our hearts. Bless each one of us today, Lord, as we leave this place. May we walk out of here in the light of your presence. And may we be more sensitive to your voice is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.